thank you for your singing. Welcome to church this morning. I'd like to greet you with the scripture from Psalm 90, verse 12. This is what it says. So teach us to number our days that we may present to thee a heart of wisdom. So that psalm there, it is a prayer and it's a plea and it is a cry to God to for wisdom or so that we can have a heart of wisdom. But it's asking God to help us to teach us to number our days. So that's a verse that talks about evaluation. When you think of numbering your days, it's causing you to reflect and to look back. And New Year's is a natural time to do that, as we often do in our culture, whether it's in a business or in your own life or your finances. You often look at the past year and, and project for the future year. So it's a good reminder, and I hope that's your prayer as well, that we look to God to help him to help us evaluate our lives in light of him and in, in light of following him. If you'd like to bow with me as we pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is truth. And we thank you that we can come and hear from that this morning. We'd ask you to be with Glenn as he preaches and teaches to us this morning. That our hearts would be open and that we would be receptive to your message. Help us, Lord, to know how to number our days so that we may grant, get a heart of wisdom. That we may know the fear of the Lord and how to follow you better. And uh, grow in our love for you. We thank you that we can do that this morning through the teaching, through um, participating in prayer, and through singing praises to you and the fellowship with one another. We ask that you would guide us in all of that. In Jesus' name, amen. It is now time for Pastor Glenn's Kids Feature. kids I'm gonna start putting stuff in here <laughs> the last thing thought at first was a ping-pong ball but it's not it's a little styrofoam ball huh everybody know what you use these little styrofoam balls for Any of you kids know? <laughs> I think they're used for packing, isn't it? Don't they? Often it's those peanut-shaped styrofoam things, but I think they use these things too for, for packing. Okay, so I want you to think. Why would you put, when you pack stuff in a box, why would you pack all the uh, these styrofoam things all around inside the box? Why do you do that, Brooke? Okay, so if something's fragile in the box, it'll help keep it from breaking. Yeah. Anything else? Any other reason? <laughs> what was that? And I think that sometimes they do, they do that. It's not that the thing is particularly fragile, but it's got a lot of extra room in the box, so they just it's filled. You just uh, put stuff in there to, to fill it up, and so it's it's kind of like fill. So when you open the package, and you see a lot of this styrofoam stuff there, but this isn't what you, what you wanted, right? Let's say at Christmas, you opened up your box, 
your Christmas present, unwrap it, and here's a box, you open the box, and there's a whole pack of this styrofoam stuff. But that's not what you want for Christmas, is it? You keep digging through the styrofoam, with all the little peanuts or balls or whatever, until you find what's really important, right? What's really important is that gift that you got, whatever it is, and that's what you want. This is just, you just throw that away and you burn it and whatever, because it's just filled. And uh, so let's, let's think about this for our own lives. What in our life is just fill and what is important? What is important? And sometimes we get a lot of fill in our lives and we put a lot of things into our lives just to fill, it, fill the space. But it's not really important. It's just fill. There is something that is important. But the problem is we sometimes get mixed up as to, and we think that this styrofoam is the important stuff, and we lose sight of the value of what's really important. And this is kind of, kind of an exact illustration, but it kind of goes with it. Sometimes they don't use styrofoam for fill. They use those plastic things with little air bubbles. You got to let those, and yeah. <laughs> Marvin, he's already going... <laughs> Becky does that too. <laughs> and sometimes I think she gets more pleasure out of that, <laughs> out of squeezing and popping those little air bubbles than she does out of the actual thing that was in the box. And so, <laughs> and so you get sidetracked. What's more important, the thing that it was packaged in or the, or the fill, or the fill around it? So I think we need to be careful in our lives. What's important? What is really important in your life? There's a lot of stuff that goes on in our lives, what's really important? What's really important is that you have Jesus in your life, in your heart, and that you spend time in your life feeding that important thing, which is Jesus in you, feeding that with reading your Bible, with praying, with, uh, oh, Doing things that will feed your heart and soul. And there's lots of other things in your life. They're not necessarily bad, they're just, but they're filled. They're just like, like watching mindless stuff on TV or, uh, or just fooling around on your, uh, on your computer, doing nothing important, just kind of fooling around or whatever. Those are, yeah, whatever, they're not necessarily bad. They can be bad, but not necessarily. But they're not real important. The real important things in life are doing what's going to help you know Jesus better, get to know Jesus, and help you become a stronger person. Those are the important things. So, what is fill and what's important? I want you to think about that when you think about a styrofoam ball or peanut or whatever. Anybody put this, who put this in the stump? Anybody here? Okay, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for each of these kids. Lord, I just pray you'd help them to remember as they grow up and learn more and mature more that they would understand what is important in life and what isn't, what is just fill and what is really important, and help them, Lord, to understand that. And as a, us as adults, help us to understand that too. What is important in life? What should we put our time in and what is just fill? So, Lord, we ask your blessing each of these kids. We pray again that you have your hand on them, that they'd all grow up to be strong men and women of God. We pray this in your name.
can be found in 2 Peter chapter 3, 1 to 18. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through the apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliver, deliberately forget that long ago, by God's words, the heaven came into being and the earth was formed out of the water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and its speed of its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you in the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawlessness and the fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. something to say to us through it, you have something to challenge us, you have something to inform us, and there's a feeding here available for our souls as we go through it. So Lord, as we go through this passage, may we be open to what you're saying, may you, you speak to us and tell us what we need to hear in our own hearts, and 
may we be open to what you're saying to us and be willing to allow your word to penetrate us and to change us. Lord, I ask for, for wisdom as I speak this. That the word spoken would be said, would be what you want said, and would be said in the way you would like it said. We pray this in your name. Amen. You all know that I like to uh, start my sermons with a bit of humor, if I can. Not always possible. Uh, what struck me in preparing this sermon was the humor that I identify with has changed with time. Uh, New Year's, as already was mentioned, is a time when we are a bit more conscious of the passing of time. And I guess that made that's what made me think of these of the change that has occurred in the humor that I identify with has changed over time. Uh, so anyway, here's a few jokes that I kind of identify with these this New Year's. Uh, just for the sake of humor, don't really have much to do with the sermon, but just for the sake of some humor. First of all, a prayer to start the year with. God, grant me the senility, <laughs> senility to forget the people I never liked anyway, the good fortune to run into those that I do, and the eyesight to tell the difference. came across a cartoon this, uh, in this picture of this guy that was approximately my age and kind of looked like me. <laughs> He's standing on a scale in the doctor's office. And the doctor is looking at the scale and uh, the doctor makes the comment, well, it seems your weight is perfect. Just so happens you're 11 feet too short. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, I, I, I kind of identify with that. <laughs> Another New Year's prayer, this one not really age-specific, but very true to life at times. Dear Lord, so far this year, I've done well. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy or grumpy or nasty or selfish or overindulgent. I'm very thankful for that, Lord. But in a few minutes, Lord, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm probably going to need a lot more help. <laughs> New Year's is a good time to do some thinking about what is ahead. And I was thinking, especially for after the year we just had, this would be a good thing for us to do. 2020 will go down in history as the COVID pandemic year. And I hope it's just 2020 that goes down as that year. And it seems to me that this pandemic has revealed some interesting things about where we as a society are at in the Western world. For us as Christians, whenever anything catastrophic happens, we are prone to start thinking, is this the start of the end times? And, and it's not bad to wonder that. The Bible tells us that Jesus' return could happen at any time, so it's, it's going to be unexpected. And so we are to live with that expectation. So that's not bad to think. Is this the start of the end? We are getting closer. There is a time, the Bible says, that is fixed by the Father's own authority. When the end will come, and every day we get closer to that day than we were the day before. Every year we're closer than we were the year before. And things around us, we're, it's all moving to that in that direction. This pandemic that we're in has certainly caused many Christians to wonder if this is one of those trials 
that will come as a sign of the end times. It does talk about the end times being trials and tribulations and pestilence and wars and all that. It does say that. Cause many to wonder. And, and maybe it is. It, maybe it isn't, but maybe it is. And if so, how do we respond? And as I've read some things that Christians have been writing <clears throat> over the past year, I've seen them wondering if this pandemic is the key that is going to open the door for the one world government that is prophesied that is going to come. That evil anti-God government that will be led by Antichrist and will be totally control and manipulate all of us and take away all our freedoms. Is this pandemic the key that's opening that door? And if it is, how should we respond? And what should we do to stop it? And as the writings go on, you read what some people are writing. As those suspicions get ramped up, people's minds go all over the place. But sadly, many times the places their minds go is not consistent with biblical teaching. So I think New Year's is a good time to take these thoughts back to what the Bible says about the end times. Because 2021 may well be the year of our Lord's return. Now it may not be, we don't know that, but it is possible, it could be. But we need to make sure our thinking about these things is grounded in biblical teaching. There are a number of passages that tell us about the end times, and we'll reference some of them, but I'd like to focus on 2 Peter chapter 3, which Natasha just read. The reason Peter's writing this short letter of 2 Peter is to warn the Christians of his day, and, and warning us as well about the dangers of false teachers that are out there distorting the truth of the gospel. And in chapter 3, he addresses the skeptics and the scoffers, their view that this idea of the Lord's return, of Jesus coming back, that's just silly. He's writing to address that, that cynical attitude among the false teachers. Where is the promise of his return? Ever since time began, all continues just as it always has. And so Peter in chapter 3 addresses Jesus' return and tells us in some broad terms what will happen along with that. And more importantly, how we should respond to knowing these things about the end times. So that's what I'd like to look at this morning. As Christians, we need to know how to deal with the end times as we get closer to them and move into the end times. And we can deal with the end times by knowing and following the teachings of the end times as given here in this chapter of 2 Peter 3. So just two things I want to bring our attention to out of this chapter. Number one, know the biblical teaching about the end times. As you read verses 1 and 2, you see Peter telling his readers to remember the things they've already been taught. He's writing this letter to remind them. He appeals to them to remember the words spoken beforehand. The things they've already taught and read and have been taught. Specifically, what the Holy Prophets spoke and wrote down. That's a reference to the Old Testament prophets and the writings of the Old Testament prophets, which we have in our Old Testament. Also, he says, remember the commandment of our Lord. That, of course, is Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus Christ said. Now, as Peter's writing this, it's about 33 years after Jesus died and rose again and went to heaven. Uh, so, these readers are to remember the commands of Jesus. Now, how can they remember the commands and the words of Jesus when most of Peter's readers never met or heard Jesus? Well, they're recorded. 
The commands of Jesus are recorded and are spoken by the apostles. The end of verse 2. The commands of Jesus as spoken by the apostles. The apostles spoke them, they taught them to the people, and they had written them down. Or at this point, we're in the process of writing them down and recording, the, and recording them. And that's what we have now in the New Testament. The writings of the apostles, which are the commands of the Lord. So by the way, you notice how Peter equates the writings of the Old Testament and the words of Jesus and the words and letters of the apostles. He equates them all. Peter says they're all equally the word of God. So the readers of this letter had been taught these things. And Peter is telling, writing this again to remind them, telling them to remember these things they've been taught. They, in that world of false teachers that they are living in, need to remember the biblical teaching they have heard and read and have been taught. Peter felt the need to bring them back to good, strong, biblical teaching. As Peter goes on there, verse 3 and following, you can follow along. We see he's specifically thinking and talking about the end times. There were those who were scoffing the idea of Jesus returning. Verse 4, where's the promise of his coming? I sure don't see Jesus anywhere. In fact, ever since time began, things just keep going on as they always have. Those were the comments of the skeptics and the scoffers. So Peter addresses that. He says that those people who say those kind of things, they're forgetting the teachings of the Bible. So follow along, verse 4 and following. Sorry, verse 5 and following. The earth and the entire universe was created by the word of God. God spoke and it came into existence. That story is in Genesis 1 and 2. The earth was formed out of water and by water, as you read there in Genesis 1 and 2. Then, after a period of time and also by water, the world God created was destroyed by the flood. That's the, the flood of Noah's time. Stories in Genesis chapter 6 through 8. And after everything was destroyed by the flood, the earth was renewed, and everything started again almost from scratch, leaving us with the present world that we now live in. And now, verse 7, this present world which we live in is being reserved, again, by the word of God, being reserved for fire. For the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men, this time with fire. See the pattern emerging? Peter is bringing us back to biblical teaching to remind us of God's pattern of working in this world. First, there's creation. And then, judgment on ungodly people in the flood in the days of Noah, which destroyed the world. Then, kind of a recreation of the earth after the flood. And Peter is telling us, this will also be destroyed in judgment upon ungodly people. Only this time it will be with fire and not with a flood. And as for those scoffers who say, Jesus hasn't returned yet, and he never will, Verses 8 and 9, Peter says, don't interpret that, the fact that he hasn't returned yet, as Jesus dragging his feet, or, the, or that he's not ever going to come back. Don't interpret it that way. That's not what's going on. God is being patient, says. He's delaying his return because he wants to give ample opportunity for people to repent and come to him. God doesn't want anyone to perish. He does not want anyone to go to hell. 
He wants people to repent and come to him. And so he waits. And as for it seeming like it's taking Jesus forever to come back, Peter reminds us in verse 8 that God doesn't view time the way we do. We in this world are, are in time and we're bound by time. God the creator is above time. In that sense, time is meaningless to him. He sees everything from the moment he created everything to the moment that he prophesied about the new heaven and new earth. All of that. He's above all that. And he looks down, it's, it's, all, it's all present to him. It's all happening at the same, it's all the same. He doesn't see a huge time span of thousands of years like we do. It's the eternal now as Jesus looks at, at our world. So what seemed like forever to us, just a day or two to God. Day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. It, 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 time is meaningless to God. So what seems forever to us, to God, is just a moment or two. And it's taking forever to Jesus. When is Jesus ever going to come back? To God, he's looking at it and he sees it like, okay, just a moment or two longer. For <laughs> some more people to repent and come to me. That's how God is seeing it. Just a moment or two. It's only been a day or two since Jesus died in God's eyes. They're not even. So a day or two longer is not going to be a big deal in God's mind. That's, that's how God views it. So he's reminding us of that. So don't get the idea that Jesus' delayed return means he's not returning. He will return. And when he does, that will bring on the judgment by fire that Peter just talked about there in verse 7. Look at verse 10 and following. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The day of the Lord. We need to define that. Always in scripture, when it talks about the day of the Lord, it is an extended period of time in which God deals with humanity in judgment. It's not talking about one 24-hour day period. It's talking about a period of time in which God deals with humanity in judgment. The day of the Lord. That time is referred to in scripture as the day of the Lord. The teaching we have in other places in the Bible tells us that there are several things that happen during this time called the day of the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 15 to 18 tells us Christians will be caught up out of this world to meet Jesus in the air. We call it the rapture. That word is not used in the Bible ever, but that's what we call it, the rapture being taken up uh, out of this earth. That seems to happen prior to Jesus' return to this earth. There's a period of time of great trial and tribulation on this earth, much more intense than anything anyone has ever seen before. That's talked about in the Bible. It is during this time of extreme trial and tribulation, during this time that this one world government, headed by Antichrist, will rule, and the mark of the beast will be put into play, as we read about. And all of that is during this time when all that takes place. Revelation tells us about that time of tribulation and intense suffering and trial. Uh, Jesus talks about it in Matthew chapter 24 and 25. Um, time of severe trial and tribulation. Uh, but that will serve to cause many more people to repent and come to Jesus, come to know Jesus. And then Jesus will physically return to this earth in judgment. And there are many more details given in the Bible in different places about these things. 
And it isn't totally clear as to in what order they take place, those details, or what some of the details even mean. That's not overly clear in the scripture. It's an interesting study. <laughs> some find it intriguing to do that, do that kind of study, and they do that. But, but because the Bible isn't really clear in explaining these details, it's wise to not get too dogmatic about it. But put it all together, it is the day of the Lord. Verse 10, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. In other words, it's unexpected. It'll come unexpectedly. This period of time called the day of the Lord will hit with a bang when no one is expecting it. There won't be any warning. It'll be like a thief in the night. And notice that Peter doesn't go in, into any detail as to all the things that will happen or in what order. He's talking in very broad terms here. The day of the Lord will come, and there will be judgment, and it will be with fire. In fact, the heavens and the earth will be destroyed by the fires of this judgment. Just like the earth was destroyed by the flood in Noah's day, so when Jesus returns, the heavens and the earth will be destroyed by fire in the same way. And then verse 13, there will again be a recreation, a new heaven and a new earth. See the pattern? Creation. Judgment by destruction in the flood. Recreation. Judgment by destruction in the fire. Recreation. New heaven and new earth. And that is the sure hope, Peter tells us, that we as Christians are looking forward to. We will be saved from the coming fires of destruction, just like Noah and his family were saved from the flood. And we will go on to life in the new heaven and the new earth. Friends, that's the biblical teaching on the end times in broad terms. That's what is going to happen. It will happen. It is decreed by the word of God, given to us in the Bible. This is what is going to happen. People like to speculate on many of these things and how world events in the present are shaping up for the things of this time. And then suspicions rise as to what the government is really up to and how they have a hidden agenda and moving to control every aspect of our lives and how we need to stop it, and it goes on and on. Probably some truth to that. <coughs> but those are speculations. Those are suspicions, fueled many times by fear. And as I said, there might be particles of truth here and there in some of these things, but the Bible tells us what we need to know about the end. It will happen God has decreed it will happen in the way he revealed it to us. That's what we need to know. We need to know what the Bible says about the end. We don't need to know what is said on social media about the end times. <laughs> that's irrelevant. That's that field that I was talking about. It's what the Bible says that's important to us. Know the biblical teaching about the end times. And then secondly, and that brings us to the, probably the most important point, respond to that knowledge in a biblical way. Respond to that knowledge in a biblical way. So, knowing what the Bible says about the end times, what should our response as Christians be? That's just as important. We need to know what the Bible says, and then we need to know how to respond to that knowledge. And again, we hear all kinds of calls to action all over the place. Global warming, climate change is going to destroy the world. We need to stop that and respond by all of us stopping to use fossil fuels to save the planet. 
The government is taking away all our freedoms and pushing things down our throats. We need to write letters and protest and not let them push us around. And, and yeah, there's a place for some of those things in some instances. But as Christians, let's back up and look at the big picture and think about this. The world is going to end. It will end the way described for us in the Bible. It is decreed by God. The times and the epochs are set by his own authority. It will happen. And this ending, this day of the Lord, could begin at any moment, it says, like a thief in the night. 2021 could be the year. So, knowing what the Bible teaches, how should we respond? Well, fortunately for us, but Peter tells us right here what our response should be. Verse 11 to 13. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for a new heaven, a new earth, in which the righteous, in which righteousness dwells. So there it is. Knowing how it will end should motivate us to holiness and godliness in our lives. That's what it says. That's what Peter says. This knowledge should motivate us to holiness and godliness. Our response should be one of holiness and godliness. Holiness. Living our lives as set apart from the world and the world's thinking and living according to the teachings of the Bible. Living free from the entanglements of sin and living in the manner that Jesus called us to live in obedience to his commands. That's how we should respond. By living that kind of life. Godliness. Same idea. Live for God. In tune with him. Consistent with how he sees things. And consistent with what he is doing. That's how we should respond to the knowledge of how the world will end. Verse 12. Did he catch it? Have you read that? Verse 12. We as Christians should actually be looking forward to the day of the Lord. It's a time of judgment on the ungodly of the world, which is why a response should be holiness and godliness. But for us as Christians, we will be saved from that judgment, and we'll go on to life in the new heaven and the new earth. And that's a wonderful promise that we have to look forward to us. So for us as Christians, the day of the Lord is a wonderful thing. And the sooner it comes, the better for us as Christians. New Year's Eve. Ask forgiveness of my kids right now before I tell the story. <laughs> New Year's Eve, we were celebrating in our house, just our family. We watched a movie together, and then we're having some snacks, and we decided to drink a toast to the new year, to the coming new year. So we poured our glasses full of sparkling grape juice, and we tapped them and toasted in the new year. And I made the comment, may 2021 be the year Jesus returns. And my daughters were kind of, well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I could wait a bit longer. <laughs> and I get it. I, I, I do. I understood. When I was their age, I felt exactly the same way. There were some things I wanted to do and experience first before Jesus came back. <laughs> Are you feeling that way, some of you? So I get it. But as I get older, I realize that the reason for that thinking 
is that we have no idea how great and awesome heaven will be. And how it will be way better than the best things here on earth can ever be. Take the worst thing of heaven, and not that there's better or worse in heaven, but <laughs> it's way better than the best things on earth. There's nothing that we can experience here on earth that is going to come close to anything that we're going to have in heaven. And if I feel that if Jesus returns today and I go to heaven, that I'll be missing out on something, then I don't have a good view of heaven. Peter tells us we should be looking forward to it and longing for it, even hastening it, verse 12. Did you see that? Hastening it. How can we hasten the Lord's return? If the time is set by the Father's own authority, how can we hasten it? Well, I'm not sure I have the whole answer. But I have an idea. If Jesus is delaying his return because he wants more people to repent and come to him, and if our response to knowing how to live is to be one of holiness and godliness, living in obedience to Jesus Christ and what he has told us, then that means that we will be obeying the command of Jesus to preach the gospel and to make disciples of all nations, bringing people to the Lord. And as we do that, if we do that, preach the gospel, make disciples, that will result in more people coming to Jesus more quickly. And that might hasten the return of Jesus. So that's my idea. <laughs> Peter is saying that that is what we as Christians should be doing. We should be looking forward to and longing for the day of the Lord, longing for his return and hastening his return. It's the only way out of the mess this world is in. And the fires of judgment that are coming. It's the only way out. And that is the way to the new heavens and the new earth that we are promised. So we can spend a lot of time doing a lot of things that we're called to do by a lot of people. But maybe our energy should be poured into obeying Jesus' command of preaching the gospel and making Moving on, verse 14 and following. Since we know how it's going to end, and since we look forward to these things, we need to respond by being diligent to be found in him when he comes in peace, spotless and blameless. And remember, Jesus' delay is actually salvation for a lot of people. Peter goes on to say that his fellow apostle, Paul, the Apostle Paul says, Paul says the same thing in all of his writings, all of his letters. Some of the things that Paul writes, says Peter, are hard to understand. Which people who are untaught and unstable, they distort those things. Like they do with a lot of other things in the Bible, to their own destruction. But because we know what the Bible says, and we have been taught what the Bible says, we need to be on guard so that we don't fall for those distortions of the Bible. By the way, notice again how Peter equates the writings of the Apostle Paul with Scripture. Did you catch that? The writings of Paul are the Word of God. Just thought I'd throw that in. Friends, there are a lot of distortions of the Scriptures out there. We need to know biblical teaching.
so that we know what is a distortion and what isn't. So we need to respond to our knowledge of how it's going to end by being on guard against error put out by false teachers and remaining steadfast in the truth. And then verse 11, we respond by growing in the grace and knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Keep on in that process of growth, of becoming someone conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Keep on in that process. So, our response to our knowledge of how things are going to end should be a response of living a life of holiness and godliness, a response of looking forward to the coming of the Lord and hastening it. For, for us as Christians, the day of the Lord is not a thing to fear. There's nothing to be afraid of about the day of the Lord for us as Christians. If you're not a Christian, yeah, there's a lot to be afraid of. But for us as Christians, there isn't. It'll be a wonderful thing for us. Because we're going on to the new heaven and the new earth. And we should look forward to it with great anticipation, with a, please, Lord, bring it on, kind of attitude, kind of thinking. We should respond with an attitude of diligence to be the kind of person God wants us to be. And by being on guard against distortions put out by false teachers and falling for those distortions. As we get nearer the end, the Bible says false teachers will become more prevalent. The distortions will become greater. The delusion will become stronger. People will become more and more polarized in their views. We're already seeing that happening. But we know how to lend. So we need to stand firm in the truth of biblical teaching and be people of holiness and godliness and obedience to our Savior and look forward to it and long for the end to come and to hasten it. Because that's the only way out of the mess this world is in. And the only way for the new heaven and the new earth, which will be wonderful beyond our imagination. So therefore we see from this passage the teachings of the end times that help us know how to deal with this coming. They are, first of all, know the biblical teaching about the end times. Be familiar with what the Bible says. You can read all kinds of things on the internet and hear it on YouTube and all these things about all kinds of things about the end times. Well, know what the Bible says. Know what the Bible says. And then respond to that knowledge in a biblical way. As we're beginning this new year, this 2021, as I said, this may mark the beginning of the end. It may be the year when the day of the Lord is ushered in. We don't know that. It may not be, but it may be. So let's do what God tells us here in 2 Peter 3. Be strong in knowing what the Bible says. Be diligent in responding to the way the Bible tells us to respond. think about these things and prepare ourselves for these things. As I was thinking about this, as I was preparing it, the thought that came to my mind was, we need to spend way more time in the Bible and learning what the Bible teaches. And way less time on social media and reading what untaught and unprincipled people are speculating and making up and suspicious about and fueling with their own fears and their own agendas. We know how to land. We can't change that. We can't stop that. We can perhaps hasten it. And that would be a good thing. Because that's what we need to long for. 
take a few moments of silence and just open your hearts to what God may be saying to you personally from this passage. We have come with open hearts. 
And the final song that I picked out, um, I think uh, this song always encourages me, but um, it talks in the last verse about um, raised with him to endless life, he will hold me fast. And when I think about the end times, I think of how we can look forward to that joyfully and hopefully because Christ will hold us fast and, and um, everything good in store for us from that.
Thanks, music team. What a tremendous amount of truth in that song. <laughs> That's why we don't have to fear the day of the Lord. <laughs> because we are promised he will take us out of that judgment. The picture of Noah is a good picture, and he will hold us fast. Thanks. Praise and prayer time. Anybody have anything that you'd like to request pray for or something you'd like to praise God? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, in light of what you've told us in your word here this morning, we just come to you and thank you, Lord, that you have saved us. And you talked about right uh, judgment coming on the unrighteous. But Lord, as Christians, we know that you have given us your righteousness. And as you look at us, who have given ourselves to you and have repented and placed our faith in you, you have given us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Transaction was made on the cross. And you look at us as righteous people and we'll, we will be saved from the judgment that comes to the unrighteous. We thank you for that. Lord, we look at the world around us and it seems sick, so chaotic and we don't know if this is the end. It could very well be. It could very well be the beginning of the end. We, we just don't know that. On the other hand, it could be just another blip bubonic plague was, or the Spanish flu was, or World War One was, or whatever. We just don't know. But Lord, it could very well be, and so we need to live like it will be. And help us, Lord, all of us to live like it will be. May we be faithful in sharing the gospel and making disciples. Lord, to think of the things mentioned as far as prayer requests, we think of those with unsaved family members. We all have friends family who don't know you. And uh, it's kind of what we think about when we read passages like this. And, uh, but then, Lord, the encouragement was in here. We need to regard the patience of the Lord as salvation. That's why you're waiting, because these people who do not yet know you, but will. And so, Lord, we pray that you would be with those who do not know you as Savior, those of our loved ones, those in our family, those in our community whom we care about but they don't know you. They haven't placed their faith in you. And Lord, be with each one of them. And I pray that you would speak to their hearts and cause them to think about these things and be soft toward these things and be open and that they would give their hearts and lives to you. Pray for Marvin's family, as he specifically requested, along with all of that, the rest of many of us have unsaved family members. Thank you, Lord, for Kara, that you've given her a new job. I just praise you for that. It's an answer to your prayer. Help her, Lord, to see it as such, that, that you have answered, and that you are giving her the job. And I pray that you'd help her through that and to learn that new job and, Lord, to realize it's you and respond to you. Thank you, Lord, for your word, as Irene shared. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Thank you, Lord, for the tremendous encouragement that word is. And uh, help us, Lord, to hang on to those words in times like this. Conspiracy theories abound. Lord, you want to pray for the Davidson family, as June requested. They're uh, mourning the loss of a wife, mother. Lord, be close to them at this time, we pray. May they be, through the grief of this moment, be caused to turn to you and look to you and consider these things. Lord, I don't know if they know you or not. If they don't, Lord, they'll be open. 
close to that family, comfort them in their grief, and hold them close, we pray. I want to pray for Curtis and Shauna. Thank you, Lord, so much that uh, uh, they are blessed with the coming coming baby. And uh, thank you, Lord, that the baby is doing fine. But, Lord, you know uh, Shauna's struggle with gallstones right now and, and the pain that can bring uh, very suddenly. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you would just help her, and I pray that she'll find some good advice about a good diet to go on for that, and, and uh, just have your hand of protection on them in the next months, and pray that the pregnancy would go the way you designed it to work. Lord, for Larry, as he requested prayer regarding his mother and mother-in-law, Lord, decisions that are coming up that are going to have to be made. And so, Lord, I pray you'd help him in those decisions. Help him, Lord, to know your mind. Help him to have your wisdom. And, uh, Considering all things, Lord, what the best thing is. And so, Lord, we ask for your wisdom for others in the same boat. Think of uh, uh, our family, Gloria's family, with uh, Gloria's mom, and also uh, Chris and Bonnie with Bonnie's mom. And pray, for, pray for all of them, Lord. Give them wisdom in the decisions that need to be made. Lord, we thank you for this new year that stretches before us. We don't know what this year will bring. We have ideas, we have hopes, we have dreams. We know it could be the year you return. That would be awesome. But, Lord, because we don't know, we just want to place this here before you and help us, Lord, to be the kind of people you want us to be as we live our lives in this world in 2021, in holiness and godliness and diligence. Lord, we leave all these things in your hands, asking you to meet them as only you can. Just for our tithes and offerings, just a reminder that the uh, tithes and offering uh, container is just right there on your way out. And let's just pray as we um, talk about that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your abundant blessing that you've given us. And uh, we just thank you for this opportunity to give back to you. Amen. Other, other announcements that are in your bulletin this week coming up. There, it says there's ladies' Bible study here at the church at 7 p.m. Also, too, an announcement kind of regarding some of our ministries at our elders' meeting. We talked about with everything that's going on um, with COVID-19 and the pandemic and church ministries and family lives and everything. We have decided that we are going to take a break for the next little while from Bible Blast. We have a tremendous group of volunteers and teachers, um, Natasha and Laura Lee, who have led that, and other volunteers as well. And, and just with the uncertainty of what's um, possible, more restrictions coming and stuff, we're just going to take a break to give our volunteers a break, and also to, um, to just give families a break um, on Sunday mornings. So there won't be any Bible blast um, for the next little while, and we'll kind of evaluate that as things come up. There will be adult Bible class, so there will be adult Bible class, and um, we're just not un, uh, sure about the teen Sunday school class. We'll just need to talk to Joyce about that. But So next week there will be adult Bible class, but there will not be Bible blast, so um, the teachers can get a well-deserved rest from that. As far as youth group goes, that will start again on Friday. And that will be um, continuing as long as there's not any major changes to regulations. We will 
uh, do youth group in accordance to that. So youth group will be on on Friday. And reminder, there's a janitor sign-up sheet for the back. If your favorite month is still available, we encourage you to sign up for that. Is there any other announcements? If not, it's time for Pastor Glenn's trivia question. time kids did you figure it out I think I start giving two prizes one for the person who can figure out what the question is and one who knows what the answer is <laughs> okay kids age 12 and under the day of the Lord will come like a what Amanda right way to go Amanda <laughs> you can come see me afterward and I'll give you a prize Way to go. Let's close in prayer. It's been good to get, to get together today, Lord, as a body of believers. Thank you. Thank you for what you told us here from your word. Help us to take it to heart and allow you to lead us in what that means to live according to your word in the light of the world we are in. So, Lord, whatever comes this week, help us to live it in light of what you told us here. Bless us now with your blessing.